Going into the house, the wise men saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Departing from what once was the mighty city of Babylon, they made their way, leaving the Arabian desert behind as they... <clears throat> Traced the Euphrates north past the Decapolis through the road which connects the region of Galilee to the old southern kingdom of Judah. Eyes fixed upon an astrological anomaly which they could not ignore, being learned men, scholars, and priests from the great kingdoms of Persia, India, and Arabia, their envoy marched on, determined to find the point of this strange and wonderful beacon. The Magi knew what and who they were looking for. Six centuries prior to their expedition, Babylon had hosted the Israelites <clears throat> during their 70 years of exile. The spoils of the great conquest which made them the premier sovereignty over their all-too-brief moment in the sun during the 4th and 5th centuries B.C. At that time, the Jews in exile among them became merchants, musicians, laborers, and court advisors, ingraining themselves into the culture and sharing with the natives their own religious traditions and sacred texts. The Law of Moses, the great books of history and poetry, and the prophetic writings of the Hebrew faith. Once the Jews were allowed to return to their home, they left behind portions of their scrolls, readings from the scriptures, which recalled to the empires of the East not just the history of their Western neighbors, but also the promises of a most peculiar figure in their divine narrative, a king who would come and reconcile the nations under his dominion, ushering in a new order for a united age. <clears throat> As the Magi <clears throat> pilgrimaged, it was this king they were seeking, the star in the sky which had affixed itself in Judah surely attested the birth of such a magnificent king as befitted him prophesied in the old, old stories. And yet, as the Magi left the east and entered the west, something odd began to occur to them. The closer they came to the resting point of the star, the more it became apparent that it was not pointing to their assumed destination, the royal city of Jerusalem. Perhaps hoping to make sense of the situation, they diverted briefly from following the sign to check in with the one person who was most likely to be aware of a new birth in the royal line, the sitting king of Judah, Herod the Great. Herod, for those unaware, earned his title, the Great, primarily for two reasons. First, he was responsible for many tremendous building projects, including, but not limited to, a waterway into Jerusalem, a royal family palace so extravagant that it was dubbed by the locals Little Paradise, and luxurious summer homes modeled to the taste of Roman magnates like Julius Caesar and Mark Antony. And then, of course, there was the wildly popular renovation of the Second Temple. Yet, as great as these projects made him, the greatness most attributed to Herod was that of his temper 
and the violent rages stemming from it, so that he was known to have murdered several of his wives, nephews, associates, anyone he saw as a potential challenge to his throne, even his firstborn son, Antipater. This streak of cruelty, only exacerbated by old age and illness, <clears throat> prevented Herod from ever endearing himself to his subjects, despite his myriad accomplishments. A shrewd politician, no doubt. A fantastic and ambitious architect, oh, without question. But he would never be the people's king. And so, at the time the wise men came to visit, the Herod who greeted them was a bitter, jealous, and dangerous old miser. And the news they came bearing bristled all of his worst instincts. Where is he, they asked, who has been born king of the Jews? <clears throat> For we... <clears throat> For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now the scriptures say that upon hearing this inquiry, Herod was greatly troubled. Perhaps here the English translation does us a disservice, for Herod was less troubled at the news and more apoplectic. King of the Jews, you say? Why, there must be no king of the Jews but King Herod. And Magi from, you Magi from the east come saying that you would pay him homage while I still sit upon the throne? <clears throat> Can you even comprehend the hornet's nest you've just kicked? Indeed, so troubled was Herod that all Jerusalem, the scriptures say, was troubled with him. For the birth of a new king on their native soil would undoubtedly mean that soon Herod would set himself to shed blood. With this in mind, he summoned his cadre of royal priests and scribes, and he, they were likely relieved to be able to point the finger outside the city walls and toward Bethlehem. For reading, they found, the reading they found concerning this apparent pretender to the throne was none other than this passage from the prophet Isaiah. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so, armed with this information, Herod devised himself a plan. Send these foreign scholars on their merry way to Bethlehem to meet this so-called king. But have them come back and report to him under the guise of hospitality. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Thus the Magi departed Jerusalem and came to Bethlehem. Following the sign of the star which had pointed them to the humble abode of a carpenter named Joseph and his young bride, Mary. And here in this modest house they found the king which had been prophesied to them. Oh, but what manner of king was this? How unlike Herod or Caesar or Cyrus or David. This king did not walk the palace halls, but the city streets. Here was no spoiled prince, but the ordinary and meager son of a laborer, one well accustomed, even at his young age, to the burdens of daily life as a common man, for that is precisely what he was. God, in his great wisdom and mercy, chose to send his only begotten son to be born not in the great Palatine Hills, but rather in a lowly manger. He would grow up not with tutors and royal advisors, but alongside farmers and fishermen. He would associate not with diplomats and dignitaries, but with tax collectors and prostitutes. 
Here was the king whom God himself appointed, the people's king, who came in humility to serve and suffer for their sake. Seeing this king toddling about in his mother's care, <clears throat> they fell down and worshipped him. And then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. For the Lord's mighty plans for this newborn king would not be stymied by the efforts of the craven Herod, nor would the machinations of councils and scribes and priests interfere with the salvation which he would soon usher in. This Jesus would be king indeed, but a king unlike any this world had ever seen. As he received the tribute of the Magi, so would he soon receive Samaritans and Centurions. He would show grace and favor to the crippled and the blind. He would announce forgiveness and mercy to adulterers and thieves and sinners of all kinds. And from Calvary's cross, the very seat of his exaltation, this king would pronounce his absolution to you and to me, <clears throat> and to all generations who come after, removing the curse of sin which separated man from his God. But that is not all. This king would rise again from the tomb and ascend into heaven to rule and reign over all things, where even from his seat of glory he still serves as our mediator and our advocate, <clears throat> sending his Holy Spirit to us, as the Magi of old were sent to him, he comes bearing his gifts of word and sacrament, by which we are sealed in his mighty name, made heirs with him of his everlasting kingdom, and given the promise of life forever in his presence, in the presence of his divine majesty. As we begin this season of Epiphany in the church, you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, are invited once again to bear witness to your king as he reveals himself to you anew. Receive him as the wise men did before you, with joy and with worship. For God has given him to be your redeemer, your savior, and friend, even Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. In his most awesome name, amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in this same Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. <clears throat>